0: everybody good to see y'all did you notice anything about my outfit? No, Danny no uh, did you bring the duct tape? you covered it up like last time. I appreciate it. Um, so just so all of y'all know, um, I suggested everyone in here go get your um, eyes checked because all of y'all said I look the same and <laughs> No, no. Everybody needs a new prescription because uh, I'm getting older, (laughs) and I'm enjoying every bit of it, though. Um, Grateful to be back home in Northgate. As I said earlier, it was, you know, I think our oldest was five years old when we walked through the door, and he said, this is our church, and he was right. This was where God wanted us to be. Uh, It's so good to see Kimmy back home. Thank you. Husband and baby. So when Matt said, "Can you come down?" I said, "Sure. as long as it's not raining." <laughs> so much for that. But uh, we are here, all but uh, one of our children. She is in uh, Los Angeles, California for she has an internship. So she is studying abroad, and she says. That's not abroad. That's in the States. What do you mean? But she, Jasmine is away, but everyone else is here in April. And we also see a few of our family members over there with babies now who used to come to church and visit here before they were married. Now they married and have babies. This is wonderful. Anyway, grateful to be with y'all this morning again. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Lord, you are so faithful to us and so good. We we cannot count the blessings that you've given to us, but yet we still strive to be like your son Jesus. We draw nearer to you so that we can hear what you have to say. So, Lord, as we set set this time aside to acknowledge you in your presence, Lord, would you speak to us now from your word, and would you bless us today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as you know, we deal with, you know, football players, large guys, you know, and, you know, just mountain of a man. We got a guy this year. He is six foot eight, three hundred and seventy five pounds, and I'm telling you, he's a biscuit from four hundred because he he's a mountain of a man, and he, he shook my wrist. I mean, it's I was like what. You know, he's just one large man and, you know, you get to know these guys and they're just as gentle as little puppies sometimes, even though they're these giant men. But yet I still have a task to speak truth and love to them and tell them that you don't even know that you don't know yet. At least that's what I get to do with the rookies. See, because they're so young, they think, every, you know, everybody's important when you're a rookie, so they follow you around, you know, they want to know. And even me, right, the chaplain, you know, usually it's, because you, you represent a lot of different things. As a chaplain, you, you know, you can, some are comforted by that, some are fearful or, you know, thinking, uh, you know, maybe I did something wrong last night or whatever. You know, so there, you know, there are many different things that you represent. But yet, God still uses us in whichever way he chooses to use us, as long as we're obedient and faithful. Obedience and faithfulness is what God has called us to. So I like to read stories about players and their lives uh, uh, while they're playing or after they're playing or maybe how their lives have changed in some way. So I read a story about a guy named Jason Brown. Jason was, who was also a Christ follower, by the way. Jason was drafted in 2005 by the Baltimore Ravens. And usually rookie contracts last about four years. So he played four years there, and after that, in 2009, he became a free agent. So in 2009, he signed a five-year deal with then St. Louis, the St. Louis Rams, for 37 and a half million dollars, for five years. He was thinking life was pretty good these he ends are meeting really well right for him right so two years go by and they tell him hey jason you're not going to be the starter anymore we're going to replace you and you know jason was actually okay with that because he didn't find his identity in football but he found his identity in christ can you imagine you know you got this five-year thing and you're thinking wow 37 million dollars right so he wasn't too upset about it, though, because of his identity, not as a football player, but as a follower of Christ. So he continued to play, but he sensed God calling him to something else. So he prayed about it for a while, and, you know, I imagine he and his wife, I think they have five or six kids, and I can imagine they're thinking that, you know, they have this lifestyle that they've been living, and, but God is calling them to something else, which Jason said was greater than football to him. So you know what he did? He sold pretty much everything he had, gave up his football career, and bought 1,000 acres of farmland in North Carolina because he he said that God called him to go be a farmer. Wow, go be a farmer, huh? huh? And he said, He'd never been in, you know, farmed anything before, never planted anything. So now he's got this farm and he's like, what do I do, right? So God told him to uh, use this farm to feed people who were hungry. Wow. So their first crop was in 2014 and they donated 120000 Pounds of sweet potatoes and 10,000 pounds of cucumbers to the food banks. Wow. Here's a guy that played football who responded to the gospel in a radical way, gave up everything that he had to do what God was calling him to do. That's a, to him, it wasn't an extreme thing because he was all about total surrender to what God was calling him to. That's a radical response, brothers and sisters, to the gospel. Our calling wasn't that radical. Uh, you know, God just told me to leave athletic administration and go serve athletes and coaches. It was kind of in the same sphere of influence, but it was a different purpose. Because for me, years ago, sharing the love and truth of Jesus Christ with young people and coaches was more important to me than being an athletics director. So it was switching sides of the desk, so to speak. So I can relate to Jason and how he responded to God's calling to the gospel. In the Bible, the book of Romans is considered by many scholars to be the clearest and most beautiful explanation of the gospel, the good news. The first 11 books of Romans give us an explanation of the gospel that covers salvation in the areas of justification, sanctification, glorification, you know, all those big theological words that that we have uh, from our Bible study. Uh, But through those areas, though those are covered and explained, how do we really respond to the gospel? How are we to respond to the truth? You know, once you have the truth, you're responsible for what you do with the truth. So that's where we're going to land today. This is probably not an unfamiliar verse to many of you, Romans 12, 1. uh, That's where I want to land today for a little while. And it reads like this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies, As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Now, if you went to church here at an earlier age, I'm sure you were taught that when you saw the word therefore, you're supposed to ask the question, what's it there for, right? So therefore refers back to everything that's been said up until this point. So what has been said in those other 11 chapters? Well, I I just pulled out a few things uh, from the first 11 uh, chapters so that we understand why he says, therefore, before he says what he has to say. So Paul is saying it's it's his natural response to this point. And here's some of these highlights. In chapter 1, sin and our need to be right with God. He talks about that. Uh, He also talks about the impact of the gospel in chapter one. He talks about the need for the gospel in chapter one all the way through chapter three. And chapter three talks about justification by faith, which means being right with God. Also in chapter three, you find righteousness that's available, is available from God and righteousness appropriated by faith alone. And you read that from chapters three through four. You still with me? Chapter five, blessings, which are the results of being right with God. Uh, Christians can also boast in God. He tells us that in chapter five, only in God though, right? Christians can live a life of security. Uh, In chapter six, Christians can live a life free from the domination of sin. And in chapter, uh, chapter six and seven, you get that. And Christians have a life in the Holy Spirit, in chapter eight. And then we get to chapter nine through 11, talks about the problem with Jewish people and their problems with being right with God. They have some issues that come along with being right with God. You know, this flesh gets in the way and other things get in the way of having a right relationship with God. And Romans talks about all that. And the conclusion that we have in chapter 12, finally, is that Christians being right with God and their spiritual commitment, their spiritual commitment. See, God makes a commitment to us, but there's also a spiritual commitment that we have to make to him in order to be right with God. See, that's the important thing. It's not just about knowing God and knowing who he is, because we can intellectually know who God is, right? We can say, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus and he died on the cross and all that. But until that becomes something you embrace and that you hold true, that convicts your heart that you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it's just intellectual knowledge. It's just something that's being said. We hear it all the time. Right. Oh, yeah, man, God loves me. You know, that's a good thing. God does love you, but he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. And you might think you're okay, right? I used to think I was okay. I was I was a mess. I was truly a mess. And most likely I would have been voted least likely to be in any kind of ministry grown up. So don't think I was always some. I'm still not some good little guy. I'm just by, you know, I'm just a guy who found bread, as a beggar who found some bread, who can tell other people where to find it as well. So we have this spiritual commitment that we have to make to God. And it's really our response to the gospel. We have to respond to the gospel. Right? James tells us to be uh, not only, not hearers only, but to Do what God says do. God rewards obedience and faithfulness, and that's found in a response to the gospel, a proper response to the gospel. So what is the gospel? Well, we heard it's the good news, and yeah, that's true, but the gospel, according to Jesus, is really forsaking sin and being called to a life of faith in him. It's forsaking sin, and being called to a life of faith in him. That means we have a new perspective. That we've embraced the truth of the gospel. And we've become believers. And we turn from sin and self. And we turn to Jesus Christ. Who becomes our Savior and Lord. He can't just be our Savior. He has to also be Lord. I don't want to get into, we're not getting into Lordship theology. I get it. But he has to be our Savior and our Lord. So, when we hear the gospel, we're to respond to it because Jesus is the reason for the gospel. He is the gospel, the truth. Still born of a virgin, right? Uh, lived a sinless life, uh, died in our place, placed in a borrowed tomb, raised on the third day, ascended to heaven, and now sits at the right hand of God the Father interceding for us. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came so that we could have a way to God the Father. And it's only through him that we can have this relationship. So that's the gospel, So the Christian understands that this is a transformative thing. See, the gospel is transformative. It gives us the ability to do, it does for us, what we could not do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how how wise you may think you are, how clever you are. You cannot save yourself. Only Jesus Christ can save you. If, if we could save ourselves, there would be no need for Jesus, correct. so as we understand this the, this transformative life that we 're seeking after how and the power that 's in the gospel, it, to me I, sometimes I need an example and i 've seen plenty of examples in scripture, and Paul himself is a great example of a transformed life but there 's a gentleman I, I learned about here, and I, I listened to him and, uh, on the radio and uh, he is actually from Pittsburgh. His name is Dr. Uh, Dr. Reverend James Ford. And Matt, I don't know if you went to that conference a few years ago, but the Moody Bible Institute where they have their week-long conference. And we used to take kids from the school there in Ohio where my kids go to school and we would go to the Founders Week. And we'd hear speakers and music and praise and worship. and we have a great time. But Dr. Ford is actually from Pittsburgh. But before he was... Uh, a professor at Moody for 17 years and before he authored, uh, I think, about 12 books and uh, and became the senior pastor of the Christ Bible Church there in, in Chicago, he was a drug dealer. He was a drug dealer. And I've had the privilege of talking to him on the phone a few times. I've had him do chapel service for the football team. Because you got to understand, he's this big, burly guy. And he's got this real raspy voice. And he talks like this. And, and, you know, he gets the guys all riled up. But I tell you what, he is an excellent teacher. And he holds no punches when he does chapel service. So that's why I call him, right? I'm like, oh, you guys are about to get roughed up a little bit today. This is really good, right? So I talked to him. And he said, you know... Uh, Brother Brooks, he said, God took that gun out of my hand and put a Bible in my hand and transformed my life. What a story, right? And he's from Pittsburgh. I had no idea all these years, and I just found that out. But how God radically changed his life and transformed his life. That's a radical response to the gospel. When you turn from sin and self and turn to Christ. That's a radical response to the gospel. So we understand now a little bit about what the gospel is and how its power can transform a life. How about, uh, uh, is it really necessary? Well, I think we can come to the conclusion that it is, but because of this, God has a problem with mankind. See, scripture teaches that uh, God's wrath is against godlessness and the unrighteousness of the people who suppress the truth. See, he has an issue with sin. That's why Jesus came. That's why the gospel is necessary. So, because he has a problem with us. The whole world is guilty before God, according to Romans 3.9. The whole world is guilty. And we've read in Romans 3.23, right, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark. We've fallen short. We know in Romans 6, uh, 23, where he says the wages of sin is death. That means that we're separated from God, that the gospel is necessary for us. It's absolutely necessary because God has a problem with mankind. And the problem is, too, that he loves us so much that he would send his son to die in our place so that we can have a way to God the Father, that's a beautiful thing to me. That's good news, because I can't save myself. I cannot save myself. The second thing is, that why is the gospel necessary? God has an answer for mankind, mankind's problem. He has an answer for it, and that's Jesus. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to justification, a redemption, and for righteousness in God's eyes. The only way. So he has, not only do we have have a problem with mankind, but he also gives us an answer for our problem. That's the God we serve. That's the God who created you. He always gives us an answer to the problem that we have. And we find it in the good news of the gospel. Our thing is that we have to respond to it. Respond to it accordingly. God has a purpose through mankind as well. How will the world discover the good news of the gospel through you, through me, through all of us in here. That's how they discover it. Someone shared the truth with you. I had a teammate's father at age 18 who shared the good news of the gospel with me, transformed my life. So that's how the the world is going to hear the good news. It's through us. It's not all, it's not just Pastor Matt's job or anybody else here. We're supposed to put legs to the gospel, get outside of these walls, and get into the streets in our sphere of influences on our jobs and in places where the truth needs to be heard and share it in love. I guarantee you something will happen. Just be faithful to it, be consistent. Be intentional about sharing the good news because that's God's purpose. He saved us for a purpose, right? We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he set aside beforehand, as Ephesians would tell us, right? God has created you and wants to use you for a purpose. That's our rightful response to the gospel, Because we walk in the spirit, not in flesh. So it's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that brought you into a right relationship with God the Father. So he has a purpose for us, and it's through us, not just residing in us, but through us, he wants to live a life. And to live a life well-pleasing to him that draws others to the cross. See, we bring people to the foot of the cross and let them make a decision for themselves. It's not our our job to save them. We can't save anybody. Only Jesus Christ can save people, but they have to come to that decision themselves. So he has a purpose through us. So how do we respond? It's more than just accepting the gospel. It's more than just intellectually knowing the good news of the gospel. It is about not being passive, but believing it and allowing the good news to convict you of who you are in Christ. He's called us to a a higher purpose. And he wants to use us. I I used to think that there's no way these people are going to listen to me. You know, I'm not in the NFL. I'm just that guy that walks around saying, hey, what's your spiritual life like, man? Talk, Talk about that, you know? You would be amazed at how many people really do want to know the truth and want to see somebody who will unashamedly share it with them, what they believe and what has convicted their hearts. That's why I was able to show you a picture of a guy who wanted to get baptized because the truth convicted him. And he said, no, I want everybody to know that this is how I'm going to live my life now. It's a beautiful thing. I hope we do 10 more this year. It'd be great, right? So how do we respond? He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship in view of the mercies of God. Well, everything that he's talked about up until this point, and I gave you some highlights there. You can go back and read it yourself, but it points to the mercies of God explained earlier about the gospel, and he, we come to this conclusion, and we present our bodies. We always say, well, did you give your heart to Jesus? That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm not saying that's a wrong thing, but he says, present your bodies. That's plural. That's give everything that you have. All that you have, you bring and bring it to Jesus. That means placing yourself at God's disposal in all things. It's not some of these things I want to hold on to. It's I bring it all to him because he, he wants it all. He wants it all. Yes, he wants your heart. He wants to give you a heart of flesh. He wants to transform your mind. He wants to renew your thinking. But yet he says bring you everything that you are everything your bodies as a living sacrifice see that's 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 how we be in that's how we become uh people who are in full fellowship with god that's how we become people who are in full fellowship with god and an intimate he knows every intimate detail about us that's what bringing everything means all means all and that's all all means right So he says, bring everything, because I want it all on full display for him to know, for him to prune where he needs to prune, for him to build up where I'm weak. I I need him to, you know, tone me down where I'm a little too high strung. And that's what that means, to bring everything to him so that he can deal with it. He says, it's a living sacrifice, not a dead one. It's a living sacrifice. You remember in the Old Testament, right? The animals were sacrificed for atonement of sin. And so uh, they, you know, these animals, these dead sacrifices, they're kind of easy, but living ones are a little bit different, right? Living means that you offer everything that you are and nothing less to Jesus on a daily basis. That's what makes us a living sacrifice, that we offer it to him on a daily basis, not when we want to. Or not when it feels good. Or not when it's appropriate. But he says on a daily basis. We're to offer ourselves as this living sacrifice. Dr. Tony Evans said this. He said in in this section here, he said, it's the difference between uh, a bacon and egg breakfast. The the chicken and and the pig. See, the chicken only offers an egg. But the uh, the bacon... The pig had to offer it all. He had to die for it, right? It's a big difference between the the, the chicken and the pig right here, right? So he says that that's the difference. See, only total surrender can be called true worship. Total surrender. Total surrender. And he says that we're... We're to be together. It says together, not alone, right? He says bodies, that's a plural and plural, not singular, right? So we're all members, those of us who have placed our faith in Christ. We're members of the body of Christ, and each one of the members has a different function in, in, in many ways, right? We don't know what part of the body you are, but we're just part of the body. So as believers, we make up this one body that has many parts, so the body functions well when each part does what it's supposed to do does what it's supposed to do. I remember when, you know, when God called us into ministry, our family, you know, both of our sides of our family go, oh, I couldn't do that. I, oh, no, I, that's, that's... You know, I thought, well, guess what? You're not called to do what God has called us to. You know? This used to be my greatest weakness. Like, I wouldn't do, like, oral reports in high school. I get suspended for that because I wouldn't do... It. I was that fearful, right? And God has taken my greatest weakness and made it one of my strengths in life because just trying to be obedient and faithful to God, right? And so, because I'm doing my part, I'm doing my part, right? To the best of my ability as you, we all try and we do our best to do what God has called us to do. We're not perfect, not saying that in any way, but God can use our minuscule efforts to do great things because that's what God does. That's what God does. So we want to function together, not alone, because we are better together. It's not just what we believe about the gospel, but what we do with what we believe about the gospel, that's important. What we do with what we believe about the gospel is the most important thing. How do we respond to the gospel? This is how we respond. And you know It's reasonable. It's not extreme, it's it's, it's reasonable because in light of all that Jesus has done his sacrificial death to satisfy the wrath of God so that you and I can have a relationship with God the Father, would you not understand and believe that the name of Jesus requests total surrender from us? Total surrender. This is how we respond to the gospel appropriately. This is how we respond we got to sacrifice whatever is keeping us, if there is anything, from being sold out for the gospel, for that relationship, whatever it is, bad experiences, uh, job, career, whatever is keeping us from that. We need to get rid of it. We need to put it aside so that we can surrender and fully respond to the good news of the gospel. I know the world is changing The world's not going to, it's not going to, you know, change uh, to our liking. That's why we have truth that does not change. That's the cool thing about the gospel. It does never, it never does change. God's word stays the same, no matter what they come up with next. You know, I'm not worried about being canceled. Cancel me. That's fine. I'm still going to say the same things because it's true. And God is faithful and just. He'll take care of us so boldly. Respond to the gospel in an appropriate way. And we'll see God do things not only in our lives but in the lives of others that you could never have imagined. Never have imagined. I'm gonna close with this. I was thinking of a word that uh, would best help us to understand or to leave here with that would help us understand how we're to respond to the gospel and I couldn't think of anything better than thankful, thankful, thankful. So I read a story about a guy named Eddie Rickenbacker and it really demonstrates thankfulness to me. Eddie was a World War I hero and also in World War II. They were on a mission flying across the Pacific Ocean and he and his seven member crew crashed into the ocean And everyone survived the crash and climbed into a life raft to stay alive. So Eddie and his crew floated for days on the rough waters. You know, they didn't have enough to eat. They fought the sun and the sharks. And on the eighth day or so, they ran out of rations. You're seeing those little military rations and little thing, right? They ran out of rations, and they had no food or water. Can you imagine you have no food for one, but... You know, at least you could drink some water, and they're sitting in a salty sea. They can't drink the water. It's going to make them dehydrated. you will know, dehydrate faster, and they'll start being uh, having uh, you know uh, delusion. They'll be delusional. They because it, it dehydrates you faster. So they're stuck there. They're hundreds of miles from land. Nobody knows if they're even uh, alive or where they're at, and so. They were in need of a miracle, right? They were in need of a miracle to survive. So an afternoon on the eighth day, they they had a devotion and uh, devotional service. And they actually prayed for a miracle. Imagine that. In a time of need, you prayed. And they prayed for a miracle, so they were tired and hungry, and they decided to lay back and take a nap in you know after the devotional. And Eddie kind of pulled his hat over his eyes, you know, because the sun's coming down on him, and you know, tired and hungry. And so they're laying there, time passed, and Eddie felt something land on his hat. Now he's hungry and tired, but his reflexes are pretty good. It was a seagull. He reached up and grabbed that thing. And they killed it, I'm sorry for the animal lovers, but. <laughs> hey, I'm sure it looked like a chicken to him by this time, because they're hungry, right? But they kill you know, the seagull and they eat it and they use the innards, somehow figured out a way to fish with that and they caught fish and they survived. So 24 days, lap, they were total days before they were rescued and they repeated this cycle over and over again. And and so Eddie years later lived in Florida and people would see him all the time in the evenings walking out on the pier uh, where he lived and he would walk up and he'd have a bucket full of shrimp and he was taking the shrimp and he was throwing them up to the seagulls and they were catching them, But every time he threw one, he said, thank you, thank you. Thank you. He never forgot that seagull's sacrifice. So when I think about how we should respond to the gospel and how thankful we should be, every time we think of what Jesus has done for us, we're to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Respond accordingly to the gospel. Present ourselves as living sacrifices. It's it's not extreme. It's reasonable it's reasonable. Amen? Father, thank you. Great is thy faithfulness indeed. Lord, you are so good to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us how we are to respond to the good news of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. Lord, it's important that we present ourselves as living sacrifices, willing and able to do what you've called us to do. The world will hear the good news of the gospel because we put legs to it. May that be true of everyone who walks in step with you, uh, in faith with you, in a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for this church family, uh, Pastor Matt, and all those here. Lord, we're so grateful for them. May they continue to serve you faithfully. May their love for you grow. And Lord, may they respond to the gospel accordingly, so they can see lives changed. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully,
1: you can continue to live in that surrender this week. We've been focusing on worship this year, and it's fitting for what Robert has preached. It says, this is your spiritual worship. So worship is simply us responding to who God is and what he has done with gratitude so we leave here today hopefully with gratitude for who God is to you and what he has done for you personally we'll continue to worship as we go to the picnic today no matter what God does what's what we just sang. no matter what you do rain or shine we're gonna respond in gratitude together in fellowship at the picnic that's yet to come I'm supposed to tell you if you're going to the picnic or not the people watching your kids are going to the picnic and want to go to the picnic so if you get your kids, then they can go to the picnic. So uh, keep that in mind as we go. I'm going to invite Robert and in April, if you'd like. You're welcome to be in the foyer. People want to greet you and see you as you go. So you guys can well, go ahead, get a head start on us, and I'll give us our benediction as we go. Heavenly Father, as we go here today, I, we appeal to you, Heavenly Father, by your mercies. Would you fill us with your spirit? so that we would be able to present our bodies this week as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you. This is our spiritual worship. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.